0: Now on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions,
1: and we're going to go to Richard in Valencia, looking at Volkswagen.
2: Yes, hi, Justin. You know, I know uh, Steve's not real high on um, automakers. Uh, in in general, but uh, I remember listening to you, you know, probably up, up to maybe a year ago, talking
1: about electric cars and Volkswagen, the VWAGY.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
1: Car making is not a good business. Just isn't. If I'm going to buy any automaker in the world for the transition to green energy, which one am I going to buy? It's Volkswagen.
0: Invest talk. Over 38 million downloads and counting. Across America and around the world, your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART.
3: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking,
1: shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our March 3rd, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in this hour. And I'm going to do my best, as always, to make it informative for you and give you some valuable insights and data so that you can make good investment decisions. I'm going to do this all by giving you straight, unbiased answers, just using the facts as I see them in front of me. And 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, with all that's going on in the world, uh, from market volatility to geopolitical tensions and war, uh, you are probably, probably have a little bit more heightened sense of awareness, uh, a little more emotional than, than typical. Uh, but the main question is always what is your plan? What is your strategy? How do you deal with times like this? It's the old Mike Tyson saying, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And the problem with most investors, they don't have a plan. And in times like this, those plans become even more important. And that's why we're here is to help you develop the skills so that you can flesh out and execute a successful strategy. And the more fine-tuned that strategy is, and the more you can successfully execute it, the better chance you will have of reaching your own version of financial freedom. And everyone's situation is different. And that's why I always say I'm trying to give you the tools so you can develop it for yourself. I can't give every single one of you the exact plan. Because I don't know all of your situations, your risk tolerance levels, your goals, where you are today, your income levels, your spending levels, etc. All of those things go into that calculation of developing a plan. And so on this episode, on this podcast, I'm going to do my best as always, which is to give you the direct answers. And I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So, no matter what I'm speaking about, I'm here to give you the answers without bias and using the facts that I have in front of me. So, I encourage you to reach out with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to your liking. So, you can call and interact with me right now during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's eighty-eight ninety-nine charts Let's get right to our first listener question now. And we're going to go to Richard in Valencia looking at Volkswagen.
2: Yes. Hi, Justin. Uh, you know, I know uh, Steve's not real high on um, automakers uh, in in general, but uh, I remember listening to you, you know, probably up to maybe a year ago and uh, talking about electric cars and Tesla, and one of the ones you – you know, thought favorably was Volkswagen, the VW AGY. And I think at the time you said that probably a good value price for Volkswagen was at about $28. Right now, it's at a little over $23. So I'm wondering, would you say this is a good time to buy into VW?
1: Well, I will echo Steve's sentiment. And I've said this uh, multiple times over the past uh, few years, especially as uh, electric car companies, uh, investments have become all the rage is that car making is not a good business. Just isn't. Look at the history of building cars, whether that's electric or an internal combustion engine, no matter what, it's a competitive, highly capital intensive business. Their margins are very, very low. And growth is nice, but at the end of the day, growth doesn't matter if you can't turn that growth into profitability. And that's the issue with a lot of these car makers, uh, Volkswagen included, and even Tesla. And Volkswagen had a big surge in early last year uh, and peaked out uh, in March uh, of last year and has come back in. And that's kind of the whole space, the whole speculative fervor around a lot of high tech software companies, uh, general technology companies, uh, clean energy companies, EV uh, companies, all that kind of peaked around the first quarter of last year. And Volkswagen is no different. So do I like Volkswagen? If I'm going to buy an automaker, if I'm going to buy any automaker in the world, uh, for the transition to green energy, or and, and cr- transition to uh, electric vehicles, which one? Am I gonna, which one am I going to buy? It's Volkswagen. Now, does that mean I buy Volkswagen? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Uh, it doesn't get me that excited um, because it's just a bad business, and I've always said this. The best investments, if you want to play the EV change, the green energy shift. It's in the raw materials that go into building those products. Copper, look at copper today, copper surging. Great day. It's probably my favorite green energy play It's copper. A lot of people don't think that like, why why, why copper? Copper is a great conductor of electricity the average electric car uses about eight times more copper than the average internal combustion internal combustion engine car. And so if now every car is going to have eight times as much copper, that's a big shift in demand. Now, copper is using a lot of things. So there's a, a, there's definitely a lot of different considerations, but copper is my favorite of the green energy, uh, materials. And so I rather own a copper producer. Than Volkswagen. Does that make sense, Richard?
2: Yes, yes. If you were going to get into Volkswagen, though, would you still say twenty-eight dollars was a decent value? And then that would make twenty—you know—what it is now, uh, even a little better entry. Or do you think that's changed in terms of the valuation of
1: Volkswagen? Um, let me take a look here. I'm going to say it, 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 it's an issue. It's broken major support around twenty-five. Now it's at twenty-three and change. So I don't like that. And the whole space in general uh, is under pressure. And I think this is likely to head lower in the near term. Uh, major support to me is closer to 19 or $20 per share. Now it's at 23. Um, so at this point, I'm looking at the technicals and trying to line up a technical uh, place to buy it. Because I do think for an automaker, once again, I think it's probably the best one to own in the world uh, if you're gonna own one. Uh, it's relatively undervalued and, but the technicals don't line up. Um, and you're not at major support and you're not in major support until about 19 or $20 per share. So that's where I would think about picking it up. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, understanding the dynamic power of your credit score. So we're going to look at that, but we have good news for invest talk listeners that Enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have just posted an all new February rapid fire hour podcast. It's available now as a free download. I took on 23 questions and listeners are loving it. So please tell your friends and family about our invest talk rapid fire podcast. And now the invest talk phone lines are open for you. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART.
1: Now let's take a look at the market today. You had the S&P down 23 points, about half a percent. And we remain kind of in this consolidation pattern over the past week or so. After that reversal last, uh, was that Wednesday, Thursday? time frame and still kind of within the midpoint of the current uh, trading range. And so we're back to kind of a neutral stance uh, in the market. And what was interesting to me was oil was actually uh, down today. You had the XLE only up 20 points, a bit of reversal. And some of the, some of the bigger names had um, some pretty nice reversals. So I think we're a bit overbought uh, on the oil patch. And uh, certainly that's been a, bot, a lot of, there's been a lot of buying in that space uh, because of the, the, the war uh, issues in Ukraine. And I think that's uh, an area that if you do, if you are overweight, this is probably a good way, it's a good time to uh, trim a bit. Uh, so that's what's happening on that front. You had gold up about uh, half a percent or so. That continues on a strong trend. The 10-year, that was down two basis points. So starting to, in my mind, a consolidation pattern. We've been in a consolidation range really since the beginning of the year. We started 2022 at about, let's see, what do we close at? one point. Eight no no 1.52 uh, at the end of last year quickly moved by mid December right up to 1.85 or so and that's where we at, are we at we are at now so in about a month and a half we've just been in a consolidation pattern on the ten year now that we know the Fed's only going to raise a quarter point uh, in their next meeting. I think that's not really a story yet. It's all about the economic data that comes in. You had a re you had an acceleration in the, uh, the ISM services index. So that was that was strong. Let's take a look here. What that looks like. Just going to pull up the data. Yeah, that was uh, better than expected for uh, the month of February. That was positive. You had you had a lot of positive economic uh, data today. And that was on the back of post Omicron acceleration in the economy. Now modest, but uh, it is noticeable. So that's what you're you're seeing in the market right now, uh, in the economy, still kind of in this consolidation phase. And remember, war headlines are just that they're just war headlines, and they only matter to the market, unfortunately, uh, in so far as they affect economic activity, and higher Commodity prices certainly will do that at the margins, but probably not at a level yet that it's going to uh, create a recession or anything like that. So that's my take on the market right now. Well, let's go to Alberto in San Jose, looking at IEE, which is so. Oh, yes. IVE, excuse me. You there? Yes. Hello. Yeah. You're looking at IVE, um, are- that's the Vanguard Value Fund. Or iShares, excuse me, no, value ETF? I'm sorry.
2: I was looking for IEP. Oh. IEP. Sorry about that. Got
1: it. Icon Enterprises. Is that the one you're looking at? Correct. Okay. Uh, what, what What's attracting you to IEP, Icon Enterprises?
2: So I've known that they pay a very good dividend, and I was wondering if that uh, was strong enough for me to, to get – get more in, into purchasing a little bit more of the stock. I have a position in it, and I was wondering if I could put more more into it based on... on I know they presented their results a couple of days ago, last week, I believe.
1: Okay. Um, first off, I would not be chasing this dividend. Uh, they cannot afford this dividend. Uh, they've been losing money the last few years. supposed to make 43 cents this year, 68 cents next year, but paying out a 15% dividend yield on a $54 stock make paying uh, paying $8 per share. I don't, I don't think that's sustainable. I don't, uh, they have a ton of leverage on the balance sheet, return is negative. Uh, and remember it's a limited partnership. So you are gonna get a K one, which means that it's taxed to ordinary income tax rate, not like a typical uh, distribution. So I'm not a fan of, of this. I don't like the, the leverage of this, uh, of this company. Uh, it's very diversified. That's good. A lot of investments in automotive, energy, food packaging, real estate, pharma, home fashion. So I like that problem is, is the leverage on its balance sheet and I don't like that. So I'm absolutely passing on IEP and this is a good example. Don't chase the yield, understand the business chase, good businesses, not yield. Now we're moving into a break and the invest talk phone lines are open. So call now at 888-99-CHART.
0: Listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart.
1: Now, March is National Credit Education Month, and my focus point today is based on the story behind this story, understanding the dynamic power of your credit score. Now, credit is a complicated topic, and financial literacy continues to be elusive for a lot of people, even those that are interested in investing. And the reason I, I, I we cover this is because, well, we, this show is called Invest Talk," and we talk a lot about investing. It's not the most important part of your financial journey. Now, maybe the most interesting part, the most exciting part, but it's not the most important part, most important part is good, sound, personal finance, simple things, spending less than you make saving consistently, not wasting your money, (laughs) all of those things are more important than you putting that money to work because if you are constantly having bad habits, then you're not going to be able to save the required amount to invest to reach your financial goals. Okay. So credit education is part of just good financial literacy and credit can be a difficult thing to stay on top of. And the reason you, you have uh, a focus on it is so that when you go out and buy a house, buy a car, start a business, or even get a job, your credit score can be vital, not just to get a loan, but to limit your interest expense. And as we know, Interest interest expenses can be exponential. doesn't sound like a lie. You're only paying a, a small percentage, but that eats into your ability to save. Ability to get out of debt. And some employers are now running credit checks on employees before they hire them. Especially if you're in government or the financial sector, and if you have a poor credit history that can prevent you from getting the job that you want, or even getting a raise. So that's why it's important to have a good credit score. Now, how do you stay on top of it? Well, there are many things you can do. The first is just to know what your credit score is. Just going to annualcreditreport.com. There are many ways that you can get your, your FICO score. So many sites from bank rate to credit karma, to mint, there's a nerd wallet. There's so many ways to get it. even um, my credit card company. I think it's uh, I think. American Express. They give it for free. So you you should be able to get it. And then it's about setting a goal. What, what credit score are you shooting for? It should be at least 700. Mine's 800. I'd shoot for 800. Why not? And then it's staying on top of your installment loans, so that would be student loans, mortgages. Then your evolving credit, so credit cards, making sure that you're not carrying a balance. Home equity lines of credit, so things that could sneak up on you. Remember how, uh, the devil's in the details when it comes to loans. And making sure that you aren't blindsided by a change. A lot of people were in 08. They thought, "Oh, I got a HELOC. Um, um, I'm locked into this low rate." But they didn't realize after five years, it's you have to start playing, playing, paying principal, and it's a floating rate. And that got a lot of people into trouble. So, understanding the loans that you do have, making sure your payment history is clean, not missing any payments, not having too many hard inquiries. So, all these things are important, and then, and then disputing errors. If you're not watching it, you're not making sure your credit score is good and the details of that credit score, then you're not going to be able to see when there's an error, a problem that could be, a, could be costing you money. So that means if there's some sort of fraud or just a, a, a company, a bank that missed something and it's still in your credit score and that's dinging your credit score and you go get a loan for a car or a house and now your credit Now your credit is lower and your interest rates higher. So all these things are important and that's why we highlight it. Because as much as we talk about investing here, good personal finance habits are a number one. It's the your first goal as on your path to financial freedom. And until you get past that, until you check that box of good, consistent day-to-day Habits, money habits, you can't get to that next step, which is putting your money to work effectively. Now, in the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question Should the Fed let the Russia Ukraine crisis impact the pace of tightening? You could probably argue already has in some Now, the markets have wavered amid rising tensions, and traders have begun to speculate whether the Fed will tighten policy less aggressively. What are the pros and cons of postponing, tightening, or slowing the pace of it? But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at eight 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 ninety nine chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive
0: financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
2: Hey guys, uh, Jeremy here from New Jersey. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for about two years now, ever since the pandemic, and you've really helped me during my uh, investing journey. I'm here to talk about uh, Suncore Energy. They have a Ford P of eight, uh, they pay a 4.6% dividend yield, and their revenues are increasing dramatically. It seems like. Only thing I'm concerned about is their debt. What do you think about
1: this? Let me know. Thanks. All right, looking at Suncor Energy. This is a Canadian oil and gas company, and they operate oil sands development, and production, uh, and uh, offshore oil and gas rigs, or petroleum refining in Canada as well. And this is a company, yes, they do have a a good amount of debt for, especially for years when oil prices were relatively low, their return on uh, capital has been pretty low. And the big reason is because they get their oil from expensive places or the type of oil they get, uh, they can't sell uh, at very high prices. For example, oil sands, it's tougher to refine. It's more difficult. And so you can't sell it as much as light, sweet crude. Now, the good thing is there's a lot of leverage to higher oil prices because when oil prices are high for light sweet crude, well, maybe it's worth the cost of buying oil sands, putting the extra effort into refining it because light sweet crude is less abundant and and more expensive. And so these companies that operate oil sands in Canada do a lot better uh, in times like this. And so uh, we actually have looked at Suncor. Um, there's another Canadian company that's similar that we like a little bit better, but we like Suncor. Um, so I'm going to give Suncor a thumbs up. It yield's about 4.3%. I'm not too worried about the debt, especially in a rising, uh, inv- a rising commodity, a rising energy price environment, and Suncor has benefited greatly. Obviously, lost money in 2020 when oil prices went negative, but making $2.56 last year, supposed to make $3.66 this year, and analysts are upgrading those estimates, not shocking. So, uh, we're fans of Suncore and the energy patch. Now, it's a bit overvalued, probably need to, to not overvalued, excuse me, overbought, uh, probably needs to come in a bit. It's about fairly valued, I would say, right now, uh, but we like the space, like the energy space, and we like Suncor, So. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on the ramifications of this conflict. And this by far uh, in in my adult life lifetime has been the, the biggest military conflict that, that we've seen. And I think it marks a new era of economic warfare, and it could splinter the world economy if it accelerates. And this is going to cause alarm around the world, most importantly in China. And although we're reluctant to use hard power, America and Europe have quickly implemented very harsh economic sanctions. Affecting uh, 10,000 people or firms, affecting over 50 countries with 27% of the world's GDP. And the issue, though, is this doesn't historically have a great long-term track record of affecting major change. Think of Iran and Venezuela. They've had sanctions and embargoes for a long period of time, and it has not toppled their regimes. So the big question is that if Western firms are making uh, it illegal for big Russian banks to trade energy, uh, you know, except for energy, excuse me, to trade other things besides energy, kicking them out of global payment system and basically neutering their ability to, to do business around the world, this is going to have geopolitical ramifications and push people outside of the Western financial system. You know, the ruble has fallen 28% this year. So inflation in that uh, country is going to increase. Russians are lining up outside of banks, trying to get money out. Now, Putin could retaliate with its uh, own version of, uh, of economic warfare, which is banning exports of gas to oil and gas to, uh, the countries that have implemented these sanctions, but the more that the West uses these sanctions, the more they exclude their enemies from the financial system, it would, the more it's going to lead to fragmentation of the world economy, make it less efficient, less effective and slow economic activity overall for all countries and China's looking at this. And the big question for them is, are they going to move on Taiwan? For example, when the West could just freeze $3.3 trillion of China's foreign currency reserves and how fast does this accelerate the development of digital payment networks like China's digital uh, digital currency that has now 261 million users. And it was, I think the big thing was how fast they were to do it. So clearly this was a big provo- provo- provocation. There we go. That's the right word. Big provocation from uh, Russia. But they did it so fast without really even thinking about it. But what happens when it's more minor? Are they going to run to that sanction as well? And does this push those that are worried about that for geopolitical security concerns to develop their alternative to the SWIFT payment network, to the Western financial system? And I think the answer is yes. It has to. I think that's the big risk here on our side. Not just the energy crisis, which it exacerbates, but it's definitely going to, uh, make these countries think twice about where they put their money and how they store their wealth throughout the world. All right, let's go to, let's talk about, uh, our reviews on iTunes. If you leave a review on iTunes, we like to thank you for your courtesy by getting to your questions quickly. Luke from NYC says, what do you think of OEC for materials play? This company makes carbon black, which is key material ingredient in manufacturing tires. Please tell me, please let me know what you're, if you recommend it and at what price to enter. So this is OEC, Orion Engineered Carbons. They produce carbon black tint for coatings, print inks, polymers, rubber, and other applications. About a billion dollar market cap. So definitely small cap. So it's earning $2.12 this year, $2.38 next year. The problem is the analysts are now downgrading their expectations for earnings. Now, what is that? Is that because of uh, input costs? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that, but uh, I just look at the history of the business. And while it looks, it's going to look cheap. You're going to say, well, it's going to make $2 and change. It's trading at $15 per share. And that's a low PE. You're, you're talking about, the a P in the 7 to 8 range, that's super cheap. The problem is, I always say earnings per share is manipulable. It's easy to manipulate, change depreciation schedules, amortization schedules, hiding expenses, making earnings look higher. So that's why I look like look at cash flow and trailing twelve months. They've, lo- they've had negative seventy million in free cash flow, twenty twenty negative twenty million, and even if you go based on twenty nineteen, which was 76 million, 2018 was eight, it was six million. So clearly they are highly econ- highly dependent on the economy, highly cyclical, and if you look at the debt, they have a lot of debt in their balance sheet. Now they're paying that down. That's a good thing. They're taking whatever cash flow they can and paying it to using it to pay down debt. And they've cut their dividend. You've seen that during the pandemic, they were paying 80 cents a share in 2020, uh, they paid 20 cents a share and now only paying 2 cents a share. So clearly the the, the pandemic woke them up and said, we need to reduce the level of debt quickly. We need to stop paying this dividend. Now the bigger question is when did they get back to a level that is uh, comfortable from a leverage perspective? And then they might pay that dividend again. I think that would be beneficial uh, for the stock if that does happen, but they still have a lot of debt and that's what worries me the most. So while it looks cheap, I think it's cheap for a reason because of the balance sheet issues. And so I'm going to pass on this. It is on the cheap side, but the technicals are poor and dropped from 20 all the way down to the mid teens over the past couple of weeks. I'm um, probably, I'm assuming that was earnings announcement. Yeah. Earnings came out revenue up 24%, but earnings down 58%. Why is that? Is there some input cost headwinds? Maybe it's energy costs. Maybe it's labor. Maybe it's some sort of input to their products. I'm not sure i have to look into that and you should look into that, but I, I wouldn't buy it just because I don't like the leverage and debt on the balance sheet. Thanks for the call. Now today, We are, we're already into the third trading day of March and 2022 is moving pretty fast. A lot on the docket, a lot happening around the world, both geopolitically and economically. And that probably brings some trepidation to your mind, some, a bit of worry, especially if you don't have a strategy laid out an understanding of your risk that you have in your portfolio. And whether it's set up to benefit in a world where inflation is going to be much higher than we've seen in the past geopolitical concerns are probably going to stay consistently high for the decade remember we're in the midst of the fourth turning so shouldn't be shocking to see war so are you prepared both emotionally both and as well as Strategically? Well, if you need a second opinion, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, and take advantage of our free portfolio view assessment via telephone or go to meetings. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial office at 800 557 5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, next up, we will be back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. Remember, the phones never close. So you can call 24-7 at 888 chart
2: Hello, this is Rich from Virginia. Love listening to the show. My question is about ShareCare, ticker symbol SHCR. This is a digital health platform that went public via SPAC last summer. Its founders are Jeff Arnold, who also created WebMD,
1: and Dr. Oz. I feel like this company has a lot of room for growth, but... You guys taught me most importantly that it has little debt. I'm in it for the long haul, but would love to get your technical analysis. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Oh, the technical analysis—that's the easy part here. It's terrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, you're at a 52-week low. It's low all the moving averages. It just continues to grind lower, and the reason is is because it's one of those high multiple money losing. It looks like it was a SPAC. Yeah. It went one public via SPAC, not a shock that it's gone from 10 to $2 and 83 cents right now. So this is a, this is what I call a story stock. It is the epitome of a story stock. Yes. It's growing its revenue of 32% last quarter and that's nice, but is that gangbusters? I don't think so. 32% that's good growth, but they did it by losing 13 cents a share not something I want to be a part of and the technicals like you, you wanted the technical breakdown. It's horrible. <laughs> it's relative strength is four. That means in, over the past year, 96% of the stocks in the market have done better than this. Okay. And it's just issuing more and more shares as well. So it's a broken SPAC and it's a broken SPAC for a reason. And I would not be buying this company. It's horrible and it looks like it's just going to continue to grind lower. Now let's squeeze in another caller question before the break.
2: Hi, I was calling about the company Kupang. Was hoping to get your opinions and thoughts about the company. Thank you.
1: All right, looking at Coupang, C-P-N-G is the symbol and this company out of South Korea and it's an online retail platform for apparel, footwear, books, body care, kind of like, would it be the, yeah, I guess kind of like the Amazon of South Korea. The issue here is that it's another one of those money losing companies. Having nice growth, last quarter revenue grew 33% year-over-year, year, but that's a sharp deceleration. From fourth quarter of 2020, revenue grew 100% year-over-year, year, and they lost $0.05. Cents. Now, fourth quarter of last year, revenue only grew 33%, and they lost more money, $0.23 cents a share. So, what's the what's the issue here? They're, free cash flow is negative. They're just <laughs> issuing more and more shares, so that's not good. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, now the chart has gotten much better. It's been its rallied from the low in January. But it's still it's it's up into resistance right around the hundred day moving average. Now I will say tech the technicals have improved here. And maybe that's a sign that it's starting to turn. But I don't like the fundamentals of the business Supposed to lose 56 cents a share this year 25 cents a share next year nice improvement. But once again, that's just estimates. Last year, they lost a record 71 cents a share. So in an environment where still there was a lot of COVID restrictions and more and more people were uh, buying online, they couldn't they lost a record amount. So I'm passing on this. We're heading into a quick break. So give me a call at 888 99 chart.
0: Let's take a quick look at your financial to do list. At the top Make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime listener line. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will provide unbiased answers to your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99, Chart.
2: Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Brendan calling about two stocks actually, uh, ticker symbol VCSA and REAX. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye.
1: All right. The first is BCSA. This is a SPAC and is formed pur- for the purpose of effecting merger, share acquisition, asset acquisition in the, uh, the technology space. Let's see, in the yeah financial services space. So I'm assuming it's trying to target some crypto um, investments. Not, not what I would be buying. Um, it Doesn't look like they bought anything. I don't see any information that they've actually purchased any companies. Uh, so. Right now, it's just a pile of money waiting to buy something, and the vast majority of these SPACs, and you've seen this, they overpay for the assets that they buy because, remember, the promoters, they have to buy something. They have two years to buy something. Otherwise, they return the money to shareholders, and they lose out on the cost of that they paid for to bring the company public, and their promote that they get is worthless. And so, they tend to overpay, and they get desperate, and they go buy some crap company uh, just so they can get some ownership in something. And so I would not be buying this first off. Uh, and then you're looking at reacts, real brokerage. This is a Canadian based tech pow- powered real estate brokerage, operating in 31 us States and British Columbia, good growth, but losing money. L- let me, let me explain something to you. You need to be focusing on companies that have tangible assets. These are not companies that have tangible assets code is not a tangible asset. It's not a real asset. Okay. It's intellectual property. Remember that meme that was go around, you know, Uber doesn't own any real estate any, any cars, Airbnb doesn't own any real estate. Uh, you know, all of the, all, all of the tech platforms, they don't own anything. They just connect the real assets. Well, guess what we're now in an era where those real assets are going to be more valuable than the tech platforms, which are so abundant. And there's so, so many competitors and they're going to need, they're going to want, they're going to have to have those real assets in order for their platforms to function. Uber needs drivers and cars. So they're going to compete after them with Lyft, Airbnb needs real estate to have people rent out. Okay. So focus on businesses that have real assets that produce real assets. So neither one of these, I would touch both too speculative, not real businesses, just story stocks, focus on real businesses, not stories. Okay. Now, lastly, I want to get to what's happening in Europe and Back in 2014, when Russia annexed Crimea, Poland's then prime minister, Donald Tusk said in a warning, excessive dependence on Russian energy makes Europe weak. And guess what? His words were proven absolutely correct over the past couple of weeks. And currently Russia exports about 38% of all gas piped to the EU and Britain. That's up 20% from when Prime Minister Tusk made that warning. And what you're seeing now is a quick shift in policy advocating for building more, uh, more capacity for oil and gas, more LNG facilities, for example and still trying to achieve their various objectives. So cheaper cost, greener energy, and security. And natural gas is greener than oil or coal, but it still produces CO2. And you rely heavily on Russia. The cost has, until recently, been relatively in check, but clearly it's not secure. And so I think this is the next step is going to be nuclear has to be, there's no other reasonable alternative to have energy and baseload power secure. And that's the next phase. The question is when will politicians come around to it? And this crisis only accelerates that inevitable realization. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another best talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Get your Invest Talk podcast anytime on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. Your positive ratings help spread the word. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format
3: of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.